Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's right, back here on the block. Joined a day early at 2.30 by Evan Bland of the Omaha World. Harold Evan is going to be busy tomorrow covering Husker baseball in the Big Ten Tournament. Evan, how was your weekend? Hey, it was great. Yeah, beautiful weather, little little, uh, lawn work, can't beat it. Mm. Heck yes. Well, hopefully the lawn work is done at TD Ameritrade Ballpark, Charles Schwab Field up in Omaha, given that they're playing games on it already. Uh, Iowa jumps all over Michigan, a 13-3 win up there. Um, But Nebraska goes there tomorrow in the 4-5 matchup against Rutgers. What do you make of the bracket, the Huskers as the four seed, and how it's set up for them in Omaha? Well, I think it's a really interesting first matchup. I mean, you you get the the, the later start, which is – you know, a little interesting. Um, I suppose you could consider that an advantage with Nebraska trying to get Bryce Matthews up to full health and having his starters rested. But, you know, I think it's two teams that are really pretty similar. You kind of can go down uh, the list with what Rutgers has done, and they're pretty pretty balanced. Like, you just it's hard to find an area to say, hey, they're really good in this area or they're really bad in that area. Like, they're just solid across the board, and I think that's something that, Nebraska has prided itself on too. So, you know, when you have two teams that are balanced that way, sometimes it's the little stuff that makes the difference. You know, maybe it's the crowd, maybe it's just the, the hits with runners and scoring position. Um, I think the two starters are, are pretty interesting. Rutgers starter Christian Capella is uh, an all Big Ten guy. He was a, a, a guy who basically captured that Friday role midway through the season and has run with it. So, um, you know, I think that part's interesting. And then even just sort of the, the motivations of each team where you've got Nebraska that missed out last year that feels like it can make a run this week, and Rutgers on the other side that was an NCAA tournament snub. They lost in the conference finals. So um, I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be a close game. And, and, again, how you start in this thing is so important because it sets up the rest of the tournament. So, you know, whoever wins that opener, I think you've got to give a puncher's chance to win this thing in the end. The second round matchup would most likely be then with number one seed Maryland. Nebraska took one out of three from the Terps, but we know who Nebraska's you know top two guys are. We know that it's Emma Olson and Jace Kaminska for the first two games. Say Nebraska is still kicking for a third, potentially fourth, fifth game. Is that a lot of bullpen days? Do you give someone you know a chance to prove that they can be you know a five six inning type of starter? What's the pitching plan for this weekend up in Omaha? Yeah, you're right. It'll be Olsen, Jace Kaminska, and if Nebraska's playing beyond that um, for a game or two or three or whatever, uh, it's going to be sort of their approach for maybe the last four to six weeks, which has been Will Walsh, unless you need him earlier in in the series or in the week, and then you go with somebody else. Uh, so I think it'll just it'll really just depend on how it turns out. And there have been games where they've needed Will Walsh. Um, maybe in, in, in the game two or in long relief or something like that, and he's come in, and so they have had to go a different way. If that's the case, I mean, you could go to Jackson Brockett, who started last weekend. You could go uh, and tap one of your fifth-year seniors. I mean, Chase Shanneman has been a starter and a pretty good one in the past. Kyle Perry has been hot lately. That's somebody else that you could look at. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could be sort of an opener situation or where you piece it together. Um, but it, it is a little different from what a lot of the Big Ten schools have, where for the most part, if you're in this tournament, you have three established guys in your rotation, and then you sort of go from there. Um, it, Nebraska doesn't necessarily have that luxury, and 
if you sort of play it out to the end of the weekend and you think, okay, they play Thursday, Friday, or, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe Saturday after that, right? Like it's going to be harder if you're playing on Wednesday as opposed to Tuesday to bring back your ace um, later in the week too. So it's it's definitely a challenge. I think it's that time of year, and, and Nebraska said it a lot, where you have to rely on guys maybe that you don't rely on during the season. So maybe it's a week where Drew Christo steps up big or – um, you know, Brett Sears or someone like that. So I think for Nebraska to get to where it wants to go, you're probably going to have to see a name or two emerge that just hasn't maybe had as many high leverage roles to this point. We're talking about the pitching, and Evan, that's something that I remember when we talked before the year, that that was the you know the thought on Nebraska, that the pitching was going to be really good. It's been the mm-hmm. offense. You know, with that flip-flop there where it's been the offense that's been more successful overall than the pitching – how do you view Nebraska, you know, getting the four seed in the Big Ten tournament? Is that kind of what you expected? They got it a different way? Is that overperforming, underperforming? Where do you fall on Nebraska entering the Big Ten tournament? Well, I mean, I did a preseason rankings, and I put them third. And so this is, you know, right in there. Um, you look at the standings, and they were a half game behind Iowa, and like a game ahead of Rutgers and Michigan. So it's pretty jumbled right there in the middle. I think that's about what you thought, um, you know, Maryland was the team that was the favorite coming in and they ended up winning the league and Indiana was sort of the hot dark horse team and they finished second. So I don't know that there were really that many surprises this year. And, and, you know, you remember a couple of years ago when Nebraska won the league and in the preseason coaches poll, they were not even in the top six. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, I mean, that was pretty accurate too. So it does feel like a lot of these teams were probably pegged correctly um you know and and you talk about the pitching side of things for nebraska like they still have the third best era in the league which is pretty good i so i think the pitching like the difference between what we expected the pitching to be and what it turned out to be is probably less than than the offense just sort of overperforming right like nobody Mm -hmm. saw them hitting a school record 95 home runs in the regular season like that that part was a surprise. And I think we knew Max Anderson would have a good season, but I don't know that we thought hitting over 400 good would be in the cards for him. And Bryce Matthews hadn't really shown a lot of power in his bat really at all in his career before this season. Gabe Swanson came on uh, really out of nowhere as well as a former walk-on to hit whatever it was, 16 or 17 home runs. He's an all big 10 guy. So I think it, it really is more testament to the offense and what it was able to do to exceed expectations more than anything disappointing on the pitching side, and, and, you know, I think talking with Will Bolt and some of the players today and this week, like there's this sense that, I mean, they understand that they underachieved in the midweek and that a lot of the non-conference was disappointing, but I think there's also this sense that it's not too late. And if you get hot this week and you make, uh, you know, you win the tournament and you go to regional, like a lot of those sins can be forgiven um, with just a few good days of baseball. So they believe they have it in them. And we'll see, you know, how much they can piece it together here over the next few days. I was looking at the schedule, Evan, and Nebraska's won four games or more three times this season, only once in Big Ten play. And that was, you know, bridging two weekends ago against Penn State into the start of the Purdue series. How much of Nebraska's ability to win four straight will come down to that mental focus that they've said they've lacked sometimes in the midweek? Well, you know, I don't know that that'll be a huge issue for them just because that, like you talk about the midweek, like it's hard on a Tuesday night when you're at Omaha or or Wednesday when you're hosting North Dakota state 
to get up for those games sometimes. You know, you got school going on, you're you're thinking about your conference race, whatever. Like those games in and of themselves, outside of at-large ramifications, they don't have a ton of meaning. And, and I think they understand. I mean, it's pretty clear. Like this week has a lot of meaning. And if you forget, you, know, you can look around the stands and you're going to see probably, you know, 10,000-plus Husker fans the, the deeper you go into this thing at Charles Schwab Field in Omaha. So I, I think that part... I, and, and you never know, but I, I just don't think that part's going to be as big a deal for them. I think if you're going to if you're going to make a run and you're going to s- string four wins together, four out of five or whatever, I think offensively you're going to need to be versatile in how you do it. Like, sure, there are going to be moments where Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews do their thing, and and Gabe Swanson goes deep and, and all that. But I think the key for what this team has done in the last couple weeks has been. They've really embraced the small ball stuff. They've, they've, they've laid down some sacrifice bunts. They've been good situationally, moving runners over, getting guys in. So you're not totally reliant on the home run ball. Um, not to say that that's not valuable, because that's really valuable this time of year to get that instant offense. But you also have to find other ways to do it when you're facing some pretty quality opposition on the mound. So I think that's probably what I'm looking at um, most of all is, is how – how versatile can that offense be? How creative can they be in scoring runs? Because I think if they can do that, they have enough arms to sort of piece it together and, and go away. You mentioned those two frontline guys in Anderson and Matthews. I know there's been a lot said about them, but I think it's still under the radar that, you know, Bryce Matthews had a 2020 season, you know, for the first time in Nebraska history. And when it comes to Big Ten Player of the Year, uh, Maryland's Matt Shaw wins it. Do we have a breakdown on, you know, the votes or points or anything and how close Max Anderson was? Was he in contention or was this best player on the best team kind of win for Matt Shaw? That's a good question. I, I don't have a breakdown on the votes, like an MVP voting sort of thing. Um, maybe, you know, maybe that's something I can track down this week. I'd be curious to know. I mean, I actually thought it would be Nick LaRusso from Maryland who would win mm. that thing. Um, you know, he had a little bit of a better average and, uh, you know, he had the, the, the 96 RBIs, which was a Big Ten record. And so I felt like he was going to be the guy. And it was Matt Shaw who, you know, hit closer to, the, I think it was 360 and had 17 steals. And, and he scored a bunch of runs. Like he was a table setter for Maryland and, you know, obviously a very good player. Uh, I thought it would be one of those guys, but you absolutely could make a case. For Max Anderson hitting 412, he hit the he had the, the the Big Ten record for home runs in league play of 15. So like I think that's the other part of it too is you break it down by just Big Ten games, uh, you can absolutely make a case that Max Anderson would be that guy. So I think this kind of is what it is. I suppose the tiebreaker probably is the fact that Maryland won the regular season for a second straight year and that uh, they have a dominant lineup and uh, they're ranked and all the rest, but. Um, you know, in some ways, if you're a Husker fan, certainly it's a little bit of a shame because, you know, Max Anderson, I don't know what more you can do than hitting 21 home runs and hitting 412 in the regular season uh, to be in consideration. But, you know, ultimately, uh, that's the way it went. And I'm sure he would trade that for you know, a, a hot week coming up here for Nebraska. Last thing on the Big Ten baseball tournament before a quick Husker football question. <laughs> Say Maryland, like you mentioned, they're a ranked team. They won the league regular season. Say they win the conference tournament. Are they in line to host? Are they an outside shot to host a regional? Or is it going to take some help for the Terps to host in College Park? I don't. I think they're out of that conversation entirely, in my mm. opinion. I mean, I think they're right around 40, I think just north of 40 even in, in the RPI. So, you know, even if you if you sweep this thing, I don't see how you get into the 
top 16 national seed discussion at this point. Um, that's just, you know, I, I suppose other things could break perfectly maybe for that to happen. But to me, that's a team that's probably a high two, similar to what Nebraska was in 2021. So that'd be my guess is they'll go somewhere as a two seed. Sandville? Uh, you know, as far as the rest of the Big Ten, I, I think if you're Iowa, you probably need to win a game or two to feel good about your at-large hopes. I think Indiana probably could go 0-2 and still feel uh, like it was in. It's got an RPI inside 30. So I, I think as you look at it right now, those are your three teams that are in. And then if you're anyone else in the field, uh, you're going to have to win that thing, get the automatic bid, and, and steal somebody else's at-large spot. So I think that's kind of how it's shaping up right now. That's a Husker baseball in the Big Ten tournament preview with Evan Bland. Evan, I do have to ask you about the Husker football news of the week. Daniel Kalen in the fold for the 2024 class, the quarterback out of Bellevue West. What do you make of his recruitment and the job that Matt Rule and uh, that whole staff really did in, in keeping contact with Daniel Kalen, even you know through the whole Dylan Rayola sweepstakes? Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. I think that was a, a fine line that you had to walk if you're Matt Rule and, and that Nebraska staff because uh, you, you, there's really no way that you could have done it differently. If you have an in and you have ties to the number one recruit in the country and he's a quarterback, like you have to play that thing all the way out. And so I think this it's an example of where their honesty as a staff really paid off for them because, again, you can't blame them for sticking with uh, Rayola to the end and, and, and waiting on him to make a decision. Um, but, you know, they, they were honest with Kalen too and said, we like you. You're, you're someone that we would like to have, but, but we have to see how things play out with this other guy first. It's, it's well within Kalen's rights to commit, and he did. He commits to Missouri. Um, but then you know they circle back, and, and, and he comes back into the fold for Nebraska. I think that was probably the most interesting part was you, I, I wondered at least if the ship had sailed at that point. Like Maybe they had a shot with Kalen, and then he uh, commits elsewhere, and that was sort of it. But he you know Nebraska was able to – recoup him and, and bring him back into the class. So I think that's, I mean, that's important clearly just for, for the kind of player that he is and the potential that he has. Uh, but also, you know, he's somebody who ha- happens to have some pretty talented teammates at Bellevue West, guys like Isaiah McMorris and uh, Devon Hall. And, and he's also somebody who's made the camp circuits around the country. And when you talk about a quarterback being a recruiter and somebody who can help bring other talent into the fold, you know, he's a guy who's who's got those relationships, who has sort of that those intangible qualities that you're looking for in a leader and in a quarterback. So uh, it was a big deal for Nebraska to get a quarterback like that, especially at this point in the process, right? Typically, mm-hmm. your high-end, talented quarterbacks are off the board and earlier, early in the spring. Um, and so they were able to bring him in. And so I think it was just, you know, again, a, a fine line Nebraska had to walk, but ultimately – it's not a terrible consolation prize to get the, the top quarterback in state to come to your program in the end. That's Evan Bland of the Omaha World. Harold, follow him on Twitter at Evan Bland, O-W-H, for Husker baseball updates, Husker football thoughts, and more. Evan, enjoy your time up in Omaha at the Big Ten Baseball Tournament. We'll uh, look forward to recapping it with you next week. Sounds great, Austin. Thanks. Once again, Evan Bland with us here on the block. Time now for the shootout with Strick. $30 to Buffalo Wings and Rings could be yours. Call now, 402-464-5685. Take on Stricky in trivia. We'll play the game on the other side.